Thanks for joining us for another episode of Voices of Grace. I'm Ryan Peterson with the Communications Department at Grace Community Church. In each and every episode, we profile profile followers of Jesus who are on mission, and whether that's on the other side of the world or right here in East Texas. Today, I'm joined by a couple that has poured into countless area college students. Joey and Caitlin Petrich are area representatives with the Northeast Texas Fellowship of Christian Athletes team. Uh, they support UT Tyler and Tyler Junior College Athletics. And if there's a game going on at either of those two campuses, there's a good chance you're going to see Joey or Caitlin hanging around. Um, thank you both so much uh, for joining me today. Of course. Happy mm-hmm. to be here. For sure. Thank you. Um, before we go into all that you guys do with FCA, which is, is awesome, um, and again, you guys have poured into so many kids, uh, or young student-athletes, um, I want to start with your personal journeys uh, in finding Jesus. Each You have your own unique story, um, and then how you guys found each other. So, Caitlin, let's start with you. Um, so, were you a college soccer player as well? I was. Okay. I played at UT Tyler from 2011 to 2015. Okay, so take me through your personal journey. Um, and you know, we can talk about your athletic career as well, but how did you, you come to find Jesus? Yeah. So I was very blessed to grow up in a home, um, where I was exposed to who God was, um, at a very young age. Uh, it's funny cause my mom gave me a scrapbook the other day and it was like at five years old, I was writing down God this year. I just want to know you more like, wow. and, uh, and so I had this like concept and this reverence for who God was. And my parents gave me that, which I'm thankful for. Um, but at about 17 or 18, I really started to dive into the Bible for the first time. Um, and after really struggling my freshman year, um, relationships and team issues and things like that, trying to find my identity, whether it was in relationships or, um, soccer, which was a big thing. Um, I kind of got to a place where I was in my dorm room and I was just at my end. I was like, God, like all of this is empty. It's frustrating. Um, I am constantly battling, um, sin. Um, and so what do I do? And I opened my Bible and it was John one and it was like, um, basically talking about how in the light, the darkness will not overcome it. And I was like, I want that. Like right now I feel very overcome. I feel very at my end. Um, and so he was who I turned to and I was like, whatever you need, it's yours. Um, and so at that point I turned away from a lot of friendships, a lot of relationships, um, and cut pretty much everything out of my life, except for someone who, I became best friends with a girl down the hall who was basically locked in her room all semester crying because she missed home. Um, and we became friends. We had a similar upbringing and we sat down and I was like, what do you know about God? And she's like a little bit, but like, I want to dive deeper into scripture. Um, so we really started to dive into the word together in our dorm room, not really having any idea what we were doing. Um, got connected to a local church, um, And then God really took me on a journey of like serving the least of these. I got connected with the church under the bridge. I went there every Saturday um, before games Um, and then just saw through the next four years how God used me in just sharing the gospel with my teammates, loving them where they were at. Um, And then at the end of college, I had the opportunity to step on as assistant coach at UT Tyler. And I was like, man, I've never seen God use me anywhere else. So I might as well just stick around and see what happens. Um, and honestly loved coaching there, um, for about seven years until stepping on board with FCA. And we'll get into the FCA part here, uh, shortly. So Joey, let's talk about your story. You were also, you were a goalkeeper in college, mm-hmm. um, and just your journey, um, in finding Jesus, um, and your, your athletic own athletic career. Yeah. So finding Jesus was a bit of a longer process for <laughs> me than it was for Caitlin. Um, 
Yeah, I, so I played college soccer up at St. Mary's University in Minnesota. Um, but hockey and other sports were always my first love. Like you grew up in Minnesota and you basically learned to skate while you learned to walk. Um, it just so happened I was better at soccer. and I went. So from, you did play hockey though? Oh, yeah. Uh, I was I a goalkeeper in hockey and soccer. Um, had some bad experiences from some coaches and stuff, which okay. is some of the story of FCA sometimes um, and why I love doing it. Um, but I went from being five foot eleven to six foot four my senior year of high school, and recruiting opportunities changed in college soccer. Um, so, but at that point, like, grew up around the church. But I, I always tell athletes like most of my life up until I was twenty four years old was lived under. You know, if you read Matthew six thirty three, like it says, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and these things will be added to you. I just typically flip that verse and to seek first everything I wanted and God will be waiting for you. Um, <laughs> a lot of people do that. <laughs> so that's how I, I live most of my life. Like I would have kind of like been like Thomas Jefferson in terms of the Jefferson Bible. Like if I didn't like this part of the Bible, I was going to cut it out. If I didn't like God's design for relationships or this or that, like we'll get rid of that. But the kind of genie will be there when I need him. Um, and that's how I lived for, you know, really making sports and myself, my God, not knowing what I was doing all the way up until. So I went all the way through playing college soccer, partying, chasing girl, doing everything that we see collegiate athletes doing on TV, constantly figuring, you know, never quite knowing, but constantly running into the wall of like it wasn't fulfilling. Mm-hmm. Um, so I grew up amazingly hardworking parents who provided the physics, you know, but we never had tons of money. Um, so when I graduated college, I was like, okay, well maybe it's the fact I don't have money. Like I found a job where I was making plenty of money. The liquor stores in those areas were very happy that I was making plenty of money. because uh, <laughs> it's where most of my money was going at that time. Um, so again, so eventually it was like, okay, money's not the thing. And so at that point, I started volunteering coaching in a school in the city I was working in, um, a small U- Division three university up there in northern Minnesota. Um, I was like, and things kind of started to melt down in my life up there. And I was like, well, maybe it is this coaching thing. So I literally, I think I sent out probably five or 600 emails to college wow. c- head coaches. Like just saying, hey, I'm looking for this. Like I was looking for a graduate assistant position at that point. Nobody had that. I ended up getting in contact with Coach Jones at UT Tyler, and he's like, well, I don't have a graduate assistant position. So I was like, why am I talking to you? And he's like, but you can be my full-time assistant. I was like, sure, not knowing what I had really just accepted. Yeah. Um, so that was kind of what led me all the way down to Tyler and really into, like, it's funny doing this podcast, like Caitlin sitting right next to me. And, this was basically our offices <laughs> when we first met. Like she, there was a small paper mache wall in between us, essentially. So, wow. So take me on the journey then of you two finding each other. So that we can thank Coach Jones for as well. Um, <laughs> I was in a rough season of life, and I was kind of just going to work, going home. 
Um, and one day J- Kenny walked across the hall and he's like, Hey, here's my new assistant. And I'd seen Joey bopping around. Um, and he was like, can you show him around? Like take him to dinner, like introduce him to some people. He doesn't know anybody here. And if I'm really honest, I did not want to, okay. I was like, I want to go home and I want to go into my PJs and be sad and all this stuff. And so one night I was going to get my tattoo. Um, and I was like, Hey, like you want to go to dinner? Like we'll hang out. I'll tell you a little bit about Tyler. And so we went to Fresh, and I'll never forget it. We were sitting all the whole way there. He's just like cussing every other word, telling me he's amazing, he's never gonna get married, all the things. So I let him talk, and then we get there, and we're talking a little bit more. And finally, I was like, "Hey, has anybody ever told you how arrogant you are?" And like, without I think you said how (laughs) arrogant you sound when you talk. Yeah, how arrogant you sound. You said it very lovingly and gracefully. (laughs) But he was like, that was the grace of God then, because I wasn't thinking very graciously. Um, But I was like, I asked him that, and without skipping a beat, he was just like, you know, he was like, it's not arrogance if it's confidence. And I was like, you are so. And I so think <laughs> the statement was, it's not arrogance if it's true, it's confidence uh, if it's true, okay. which just shows how arrogant I truly was. So I ended up going to get my tattoo that night, and I was like, you can come with me if you'd like. Um, and of course, he's like, let me check my schedule, as if he had any friends. And so he so ended up coming with schedule. me, and it was like a six-hour ordeal. Um, and it was just funny, because it was the tattoo I got that night was the story of Joseph. So looking back on it, I was like, first time we ever hang out, I'm getting a tattoo about a story of a guy who has the same name as you. That night, a guy asked us how long we'd been married. And we were like, "We <laughs> You're just like, met. I'm not married to this guy. I'm like, definitely not I'm married not to this ever guy. Marrying this guy is probably what she was so thinking. So our introduction was comical, mm-hmm. but it was cool. Yeah. So I mean, she was really the one who honestly, like, inadvertently led me to the Lord. I would never say that like she sat down and like shared the gospel like outright, but she was the first person who I ever saw like their behaviors match their beliefs. Okay. Um, and first person who ever actually held me accountable to something like when she said do you know how arrogant you sound when you talk like i brushed it off in the moment but i like i went home and started like do i really sound that arrogant like everybody else had always just let me do me like she was uh, one of the first people to really push and hold um me accountable and that was really what kind of just started the path to me eventually surrendering my life to the lord ending up in the Grace Espanol Chapel on accident. Um, that was my first experience with Grace Community Church. I thought I was going to the main service, and I ended up in the Espanol service. I was really confused for a little bit. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, no, I did want to ask you, okay, so then how did you get connected at Grace? Because you, it's, it's so crazy thinking about, you know, we flash forward the amount of people that you guys have poured into um, within the church. Uh, but how did you actually get connected? So you're saying you went to Grace Espanol by accident. You're in the chapel. So when I first started, like, really kind of s- searching, like, all right, well, maybe, like, I have been missing the boat on this whole, like, God thing. Um, I went to a few different churches. I went to the church that she was attending at the time, which was, like, really small. So, like, you walk in there and you're like, you know, sometimes it, it kind of felt like, like they were on, it's an amazing church, but it was a small church. So it kind of felt like someone just tossed like a stake into the crocodile pen. And they're like, Oh, look, there's a new person here. Like, <laughs> what's this? Like, so like you, so I kind of like, I found grace. Well, um, I had looked it up online. I was living down the street on old Jacksonville at that point. Okay. And so I was, again, yeah, I'd had that experience. And like, it was when I look back on it, like even that weekend where I kind of felt like I was tossed into the pen, 
was an amazing thing. But I, so I show up to Grace by myself and I'm just trying to slide in. Like I looked it up online. I got there as close to the start of the service time as possible. And I slid into the little chapel thinking I was in the right place. And then the worship music started and it's in Spanish. <laughs> and eventually I was like, okay. Like I remember my thought was like, well, online it said contemporary. And I'm still new to this church <laughs> thing, but we're in Texas. So I guess this is what contemporary in Texas is. Oh, this is so good. Like, and then the, you know, um, I think it was Edgar was a pastor at that point. Yeah. Edgar gets up and starts preaching and it's all in Spanish. I'm like, okay. <laughs> And I hardly, if you know me, I hardly speak English. Like, so let alone being able to understand Spanish, I have a hard time with English. Um, so I like, basically I was like, I'm not getting in, like, I'm not going to understand anything for the next 35 minutes. So I might as well slide out. Well, I, so I, I slid out, trying not to be noticed. And I get into the lobby and I hear a voice talking in English. And I'm like, where? And eventually I see two TVs on a wall and there's this shiny bald head. I'm like, I don't know who that could I be. I know, right? Who would that be? <laughs> um, I'm like, so where's this dude at? Like, are they live streaming something? And so eventually I saw the big doors up top. And I so I found my way up there. You know, worship music's already done. Doug's already into his sermon. Um, and again, I'm just trying to slide into the back of the chapel. And literally I walk in and this little old lady, if you ever, Francis Johnson, rips me out of the aisle. Like I'm, she's probably four foot nine and I'm six foot four and she rips me out of the aisle and says, you look like my grandson. So I'm going to adopt you as my spiritual grandson. Uh-huh. I was like, thank you, Lord, for Miss Francis. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that, that basically started the process of me showing up to Grace and sitting next to Miss Francis every wow. Sunday for probably up to the point we got married. That's so cool. So... It really was the Lord at the end of the day because I remember the really awkward conversation when I was like, hey, I, I'm still like, you know, nowhere near as mature in my faith as you. Like you've been walking with the Lord for a lot more years than me, but I feel like the Lord is telling me that we should go to grace when we get married. She probably had some other gracious thoughts in her mind at that point because um, she had been plugged into the church she was a part of like really deeply for like six or seven years now. and. Here's me, who's not very plugged in at Grace at this point. Like, I'm kind of just showing up and consuming. Um, and I was like, but I really think we're supposed to be at Grace. Um, so we did, and probably, I think it was literally the week after we kind of had a spirited disagreement about where we were going to go to church. Um, we were supposed to recruit. We were coaching full-time at that point at UT Tyler. We were supposed to recruit in Dallas, so we show up in, like, our UT Tyler gear and we're sitting down and Vicki Clark sees us and she like comes she's like are you guys coaches at UT Ty like we have a mission you know back in the days when it was missional community not small groups um we have a missional community of people like in the woods neighborhood and UT Tyler coaches and that was the point where we really got plugged in at Grace and just slowly more and more involved and now what we do through FCA is not possible without the partnership of Grace and so we look back and like it was the Lord working even though we didn't necessarily notice it at that moment, I just thought, hey, I think this is where we're supposed to be. And it might have even been the Lord using some of my own fear and anxiety because part of the reason I didn't want to be at the other church was it was really small. <laughs> I was able to slide sometimes. So it was, it's been a really cool to see, to see how 
the Lord has continually used grace to bless us both as a couple and a ministry. So you guys, though, I mean, we talk about the coaching and then we'll transition into FCA, but why do you have such a passion for these student athletes? Is it because you were one yourself? Um, why do you, why is it so important for you to love on? I mean, look, that's such a tough age too, because, um, we make a lot of mistakes at that time in life. We're questioning things who we're going to be, but what does that passion for you two come from? Uh, I think a big piece of it is it is such a hard time of life. Like 18 to 22 years old, you're away from your parents. You're trying to figure out, um, who you want to be, what you want to become, what you believe, what you don't believe. Um, and what I started to see was that, again, yes, a lot of college students make mistakes, but the most important thing is who's there on the other side of it. And so to be able to be a voice, when I was a coach, I would be able to be on both sides of the mistake. I'd be at the beginning giving wisdom and counsel, and they would either choose to follow that or not. And then on the other side of that, I was still there to continue to reiterate the wisdom and counsel and share the gospel and love them like Christ and be consistent. And so for both of us, it's that's a big piece of it is just we get to be in the mess like and be in the mess when their parents are far away praying to God that like, please, like save this child. Um, and a big piece of it is just like, hey, we're just going to be that person that's here for four years, two years, however long you're here. Um, and we're just going to love you regardless of if you even give your life to the Lord. Like, yeah. we just want to love you. We want you to come into our home. Um, we want to meet you where you're at, which is typically on the field, um, on campus, wherever it is. Um, and just be there as somebody to listen and somebody to say, hey, this is what we've experienced and this is what we've seen over time. Um, and so really just to be that voice away from home um, has been a big piece of it. How about you? Yeah, I mean, I think it's kind of similar of like, you really dove deep, and we don't even have time, but if you really dove deep into both of our testimonies, there's not really an athlete that one of the two of us can't like relate to at some part of our story. Um, whether it was severe, you know, my senior season, I went from being one of the best goalkeepers in the northern part of the country for Division Three to not playing because I tore my shoulder, ligaments in my shoulder, my first practice, like 12 minutes into practice. Um, so whether it's major injury, sin of relationships and all that kind of stuff party like there's not a part of our story like and I, so I think a lot of times I just see myself walking around campus and wanting to just be the person that I wish would have talked to 19 year old Joey yeah um so I think that's what drives a lot I'm just like I just that's what I wish would have happened on my campus you know like someone would have slowed down and because so many times it just starts with an inoculum that's uh, what word I'm, it starts with an like just conversation you don't think that's going there like how are you doing and the athlete just breaks down or whatever it is like and sometimes it's just in multiple different paths but who I think I would have loved to see pursue me is just what then I try to do with them yeah and one thing you'll see is like all college kids know they're messed up like all college mm -hmm. kids have tried so many things to feel whole and feel like fulfilled and so sometimes you get into like talking with adults and they might act like they have it figured out you talk to most college kids and they're like I have no idea what I'm doing like please tell me like which way is up which way is down and so that's kind of the thing I enjoy is it's very messy 
It's raw. There's a lot of honest conversations, and most of them are open to it, um, no matter where they fall on the spectrum of believer and non-believer. Um, so for those that aren't familiar with FCA, Fellowship of Christian Athletes, can you kind of briefly just talk about what FCA is about and then what you two both kind of talk about what your day looks like and how you, you help and pour into student-athletes? Mm-hmm. So the the FCA lingo of what we do on day-to-day is what we call E3, which is engage, equip, and empower. Like we're looking to engage them relationally with the gospel. Um, as they come to surrender their life to the Lord, we're looking to equip them um, to be disciples who make disciples, and then we're eventually look, you know, wanting to empower them to then go engage their teammates, go engage fellow coaches if it's a coach or whatever it is. Um, essentially, again, like the FCA lingo of the Great Commission, really. Like, so that's everything we do on data is just trying to filter things through that lens. And more than anything, I think, is a ministry of presence. There, there, there's some discouraging weeks when sometimes, you know, I was telling her literally just sometimes it feels like you're just spinning your wheels um, in terms of like you're present. And sometimes, you know, it takes years of getting to know those coaches and those athletes. Um, so I think, you know, ministry, we always talk about collegially, like presence is the biggest thing. Like if we're just popping in, giving that Devo and then getting out of there, they're like, hey, who's this? But if like you're at practice and you're at the game and you know you're traveling on the but like, there's just so many little moments. So I think more than anything, we just try to be a ministry where we're present. Was it hard for you guys um, to go from coaching to FCA, or, or like, can you kind of talk about that? And and how does that look different? Like as opposed to actually being a coach, to um, like you're you know you're pouring into these kids more as support. Yeah, that was a question I got from a lot of people because they knew how passionate I was about coaching um, and being in the position that I was. And I loved working like under Steph and just being where I was. And UT Tyler Women's Soccer was all I knew. And I was just all about it. Um, And so a lot of people were like, are you okay?" Like on the other (laughs) end of switching jobs. Yeah. And I was like, man, I was like, I honestly like I have so much peace. Like one thing that we've always just again, Joey already quoted it earlier, but our marriage has been fully like based off of like Matthew six thirty three, and it's like seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So when Steph told me, "Hey, we're going D two," I found out I'm pregnant with Thomas. Um, I knew in my heart I was like, "This is coming to an end." Like this time of coaching, like this is it. And for those, um. I'm- don't mean to interrupt you, but for those not aware, going from Division Three to Division Two in the NCAA is, is a big change. Yeah, it, I mean, it requires – Steph looked at me, and she's like, I need more. And I just knew. I was like, you know what? It's time to pass it off. Like, I don't have more to give. Um, I want to be home with my kids more. I don't want to miss out on these early years. Yeah. Um, and so it was something that, honestly, I think we both had a lot of peace about. We were, we were okay with that door closing because we knew, like, whatever was on the other side, like – God was in control and we were okay with stepping away from it. Um, And we knew, I mean, the team was going to go on without us. Like, and that's the beauty of the way that we've always tried to lead is just like, hey, we can pass it off. And like, whoever's next will be fully prepared and ready to go. And we'll still be around um, and still get to walk in a lot of those relationships today, which is exciting. Does it feel different than when you're coaching? Because a lot of times, like, because I do, um, I do some play-by-play for some of you to tell when I see you it feels like you're still coaching in many ways is it is it hard for you is it different yeah I mean I think it's different in that like coaching is still a part of what we do because it allows us to serve the teams um and I think Caitlin and I are both we're always both the same and that like 
coaching was never like our primary love. It was them as people that was yeah. like our primary love. Like, you know, I, I can watch game film and I can break down game film, but it's not like that. I, I believe that God gifts certain people to like crave that game film to like break that down and like be excellent as a coach on the field as well as pursuing them off the field. But like, we never quite had that gifting where like game, like watching game film, watching recruiting film was exhausting to me. Um, it wasn't, you know, whereas when we flipped it, like now them as people is the primary, um, them as, you know, whether they have surrendered their life to the Lord and we're discipling them, watching them grow as mature believers or whether we're sitting down with someone and they have no idea who they actually are. Yeah. Um, and they're searching for it in sports or relationships or whatever. Like those are the conversations that I think just through our stories and through just the way he created us, like God kind of gifted us in those areas. And then, so it made it a really easy transition in that like we can still flex that coaching mus muscle. Like it, it's been great to be able to bring and see things from different programs. Um, but it was a pretty, you know, easy transition. And mine was a little bit easier too, cause I came on FCA in that period known as COVID. <laughs> so like for a little bit, it was like, it was almost like God gave this gap of like, well, you can't be on campus anyway right now. <laughs> like, yeah. um, do this while this is happening and then launch right back on campus. So it, it really, yeah, like she said, it really, we still get to do all the things that in coaching, I think we were successful at, but now combining that with the primary role of like where God really has gifted us. So it's just, it was in, in a lot of ways, a seamless transition. Caitlin, you had said something earlier that um, I wanted to follow up on. So look, we all want to, when, if we're mentoring somebody or coming alongside, we, we want them to find Jesus, right? I mean, it, it's a great feeling, and I know you guys have been able to to come alongside some student athletes to do that. But you had said, but you don't do it just for that reason. Like you're going to love them no matter what, even if they never find Jesus. How hard is it when you do have these young kids that they don't figure it out, or they and may look maybe they will eventually, and we we don't know when. But is it difficult? I guess talk about the challenges in that when maybe it doesn't work out, or the student is just so immature. The athlete's so mature. Um, how hard can that be? Uh, I literally, I was just on the phone with one of my girls that used to go to TJC, and I was laughing because she, we had a running joke that every time we were supposed to meet up, she'd stand me up, like <laughs> for about a year, and uh, and so it was funny because I was like, oh, here I am being stood up again. Um, but it's like, I mean, that's just because they're young, like, yeah. and so a lot of them will be in this place where they're like excited and they want that but they're also scared of it. And so that individual time of like meeting up and growing and pouring into them. And so one of the things that we really like try to do is just remind ourselves. And I can see it all over my story, all over Joey's story. There were countless people who tried to give me wisdom and point me to the Lord and were there for me um, when I didn't want them to be. Mm -hmm. um, and so a big piece of it is just like, you know, I was like, every time I set a meeting, whether the girl shows up or not, I'm going to be there. Um, and clearly God wanted me there. So I'm going to use that time, um, to do whatever he calls me to do. Um, but just entering those relationships with no expectation, except the fact that, Hey Lord, any opportunity, I'm going to plant a seed. 
Mm. I'm going to be there for this girl. And my goal is that on the other side of every relationship with these female athletes, that they will be a stronger woman, that they will be more prepared for the real world. Um, and of course, I would love for them to give their lives to Christ. Um, and the funny thing is, I'm always reminded, like sometimes that seed takes years. Um, I just mm-hmm. had two alumni at our last alumni event this last weekend, two alumni come up to me. One of them was like, hey, I want to be baptized. And I'm just like, man, so many years of like having you over at my home and praying that like you would give your life fully to Jesus. And now that That's you're gone, like so cool. a year and a half out and then another girl being like, hey, me and my boyfriend would love for you and Joey to walk alongside us as we get married, oh, like wow. help us prepare for that. And so sometimes I get in my head, oh, two years, four years. And then I get these calls from girls that have moved on to a different school. And they're like, hey, what you or Joey said five years ago has now kind of the Lord has brought it to light and I understand mm-hmm. it now. And so seeing it more of like a lifelong commitment makes it a lot less frustrating because I'm like, hey, whether it's today or it's 90 years down the road, like i I'm here. I'm going to be here for you, whether you accept Jesus today or you don't ever accept him. Like, I want you to know that my commitment to you is just, it's forever. Um, And so that, I mean, at the end of the day, I know that I'm not the one that changes their heart anyway. Mm -hmm. And so just relinquishing that and being like, hey, like, I can't make you or convince you, but I can be here for you and I can love you and I can give you wisdom that will lead to success in this world. But I am always honest with them. Hey, some of these things are just a band-aid until you give your life to Christ. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. Well, I always, I always tell people, it's just funny because if you were to ask me at the, at the start of every year, like if you gave me a roster and you're like, rank, you know, there's 32 players in this roster, rank one to 32, like who's going to give their life to the Lord? It seems like every year the person I would rank 32 <laughs> is the one who gives their life to the Lord. Like, so the Lord just continues to work in ways we don't expect. Like she said, like our job is to plant seeds. Like our job is to plant those seeds, continue to plant those seeds. The Lord's going to do the watering. The Lord's going to bring it to fruition. Like we had one girl who she got baptized last year, but it was after she transferred. Like mm-hmm. she was on a team for two years. Her devotion, you know, with that team, we do pregame devotions where they're hearing the word of God before every single game. Like, but she would have been one of the girls that I've been like, you know, I literally remember she sent us a text saying, Hey, I've been going through a lot, like, and I'm at this point where I want to surrender to God. And I remember all the things you said. And like, she, she sent this big, long text to Caitlin and I, and I remember looking at my phone and I looked at Caitlin and I was like, I definitely thought she wasn't even listening whenever I was talking. <laughs> like, you know, she was kind of the one who like was looking at the floor, like just seemed checked out whenever you were talking. And yet she's the one who the Lord is working in the heart of, like, she would have been numbered, you know, she'd have been in that bottom 5% of this is the one going to be coming back after she's like long after she's transferred. And now she's coming in like, she's like, Hey, I want to be baptized. Um, I want to continue to learn and grow my relationship with the Lord. And like, I'm here at this point and we're just so, I think it can sometimes it's definitely still, you get in that human fleshly brain and like, I make, you know, again, Caitlin knows better than I'm the greatest person ever at making a plan. Like, you know, she's talking and I've heard the first five words of her sentence and I'm already crafting Joey's foolproof plan for how we're going to solve this problem. Like, but just slowly more and more opening our hands, like knowing like our job was to plant the seeds and, you know, be faithful and just be there and available for when the Lord brings whichever those seeds to fruition. So... 
Well, uh, I thank you guys for all that you've done to pour in uh, to these student athletes. Um, you've got my family pouring into one now, and uh, yeah, it's not easy at their age, but you know we love her, and mm -hmm. and you guys are doing it with so many. So I appreciate that. Before we do let you go, I did want to kind of encourage because you guys are always looking for support, whether it's from small groups mm -hmm. or, or could you kind of talk about like ways that we as a church can come alongside and help support these teams that you guys support? Yeah. I mean, we, we always tell people anytime I sit down with someone like there's three ways to really get involved prayer, serving and or giving. Um, we're never going to be shy. It's a fully support raised ministry. Like nothing we have happens without people stewarding their resources seeing the need, seeing the vision of every coach and every athlete come to know the Lord. Um, so there's the giving piece, there's a serving piece of, and that really just comes down to what does that individual or does that group have? I usually say, tell me how much time you have. Is that an hour a month, an hour a week, a few hours, you know, some people it's multiple hours a week. Like how much time do you have? And then we're going to craft it around that. There's, you know, kids every day asking to be discipled, um, small groups to be led, like, the laborers are few and the harvest is plentiful. Like there's, you know, we're on two campuses that have over 600 athletes. Um, and a massive percentage of that is international athletes. I mean, we have athletes from 58 different countries, Wow. um, 33 of the 50 United States and continually growing more and more international. Um, so the serving is there if they want to get involved, whether it could be hosting one meal, it could be hosting a week, like the, the stage is kind of endless when it comes to that. Um, and then what, if I'm being honest, early on in ministry, you treat as the B team sometimes is the prayer team. Uh, nothing we have, again, planting those seeds, not, those seeds, everything that happens doesn't happen without prayer. So they just want to be involved in prayer. Like it's the A team. It's, it's the top team, even though sometimes it's easy to treat it as the JV, like, hey, because it's hard to see sometimes the dividends being paid of that. And I can see when the financial things or the serving is coming in, like nothing we do happens without all three of those pieces working in tandem. So prayer, serving and or giving um, would be the three kind of ways we always describe getting involved. Okay. And I'll include your uh, contact information uh, with the link so that if people are interested, they can contact you guys. Well, again, thanks so much for your time and what you guys do uh, and just keep, keep pouring into these kids. Thank you guys for joining me today. Thank, thank you, man. So once again, thank you to Joey and Caitlin. Um, and yeah, if you want to get involved, hey, maybe your small group, you want to host one of these teams for dinner or something, um, I will include the information in the link to help support uh, FCA. So thank you so much for joining us here and listening to Voices of Grace. I'm Ryan Peterson. Thanks for listening.